of chapter 6 and verse 14. Let's read together. Begin. To him that is afflicted, pity should be showed from his friend, but he forsaketh the fear of the Almighty. This is a convicting verse. Let's pray. Father, help us to hear the heart of Job. Let us understand why you allowed Job to go through some of this and struggle with this debate that was going on between him and his friends. Lord, help us to have the answers. We have a full Bible. He had so little of the Word of God. And so what we've got, evidently, is a more sure word of prophecy, something that is so much better. We should be so much stronger, so much more hopeful. So teach us tonight through this, this, this scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. Take it. Now, what we're looking at, when you get to Job chapter 6 and 7, you listen to Job say, guys, well, Ethelphaz specifically, you're coming at me, but let me tell you what I need you to do. So we already have gone over that Job has heard some of the most hurtful accusations cutting criticisms from his friends. And Eliphaz seems to be maybe his very best friend. We don't know. He's not called his best friend. There's no BFF next to it, whatever. But this seems to be, he calls them his friends. God even calls uh, Eliphaz and uh, Bildad and Shofar um, uh, Shuhite, Bildad and Shuhite, um, never call, uh, he calls them friends of Job. But Eliphaz comes along and just hammers him, accusing him of having secret sins in his life. Now, you know, that's an easy thing to accuse anybody of because it's probably true. But what a way to talk. Because if anybody looked at the life of Job, he was an upright man. The testimony of chapter 1 is he was a man of integrity, but his friends just said, no, there's got to be some secret sin in your life. God is judging that. Secondly, they actually implied that his children actually deserved to perish under the Sabaeans in chapter 2. And then of his own physical health reflecting his spiritual condition. He says, you, you must be just and on the inside. Your outside is reflecting what's on the inside. Now, all of those, listen, all those things can be true. Your, your sons, your daughters can go away from God and can reap the consequences of it, can't they? All of those things are true. And Eliphaz is capitalized on the fact those are general truths, but they have no idea whether it is true with Job, and so they just accuse him. And Eliphaz tears him to shreds. So Job tries to respond, and I have to give Job great credit for trying to respond, because I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know how to respond. When somebody starts hammering away, I like to just say, wait a minute, whatever. But after, after this, you just say, I give up. I don't even want to try to answer that. Job tries. Now, what we discovered last week, or last time when we went through this was, there's some big problems with criticism. And may God deliver us from an attitude of criticism. There is a need for people to correct and to say, "Mm, let me show you how it's done. But criticism is just what we're good at these days instead of building each other up. We also talked, uh, we also saw and discovered that Job had immeasurable grief. He said it's like wet sand piled on top, thousand pounds or a ton or two tons on his back. He says, I have no words to describe how I feel. I feel like a hunted animal that has been shot through with arrow after arrow after arrow. 
I am reduced to eating ashes and filth that I never would have touched before. I have no strength. I don't have any hope anymore to get through this or to get better. I just seem like it's, it's at the end, and I just wish God would let me die. Now, there are some several New Testament truths that just come right out of chapter 6, and that is, first of all, Job knew grief, but Jesus experienced more. So sometimes when we read in our Bible, or sometimes when we go through suffering, it helps us to fellowship with Jesus, because if there's any commonality between me and Jesus, it's not in righteousness. It's in suffering. And if I can relate to him on that basis, I can get close to him. But I can't get, I can't relate to and get close to Jesus on the basis of my righteousness, but I can get close to him in my suffering. Paul even says it in Philippians chapter 3, 10. He says that I may know him in the, uh, uh, in the fellowship of his suffering. Yes, the power of the resurrection, that's, that's one side. But the other side of the coin is I want to know him in the fellowship of my suffering. So, Job knew grief, Jesus experienced more. Job easily cracked under pressure. He says, I am not a rock. I am not made of brass. But thankfully, Jesus did not crumble. Jesus did not crack under the pressure. Jesus is our rock. And he can take whatever we throw on him. He can take whatever the devil throws on him. Job lost all hope. He basically, he has a hope, but it is way out there in the resurrection. It was not in his life. He did not have a hope for his children. They were gone. He did not have a hope for his health, it was gone. He had no hope anywhere he looked except in the resurrection, which is not bad. But Jesus has given us a better hope in that, a better way to deal with sorrow and to believe God, knowing that, you know, God, even in this life, works all things together for good. So, Job only had bits and pieces of the Word of God. Hey, how many of you have a, a finished Bible? If you only had the Gospel of Matthew, think of of all the great truths you would learn, but think of all you wouldn't know. Now, Matthew is like like Einstein compared to the basics of the things that Job knew and Abraham knew. But boy, they seem to know God. So, let's look at verse 14 and let's see what Job needed from his friends. Job chapter 6, starting in verse 14. Let me read it again. We read it just a moment. To him that is afflicted, he needed what? Pity should be shown unto his friend. Just stop there and just realize Job needed compassion. Pity is the feeling of of the suffering of another person, to feel it. Pity is when you have sympathy with with the grief or the misery of another person. Now, understand the word sympathize. Tell me what you think that means, to sympathize. What do you think? Raise your hand, raise your hand, because I'm here. Uh, Jennifer? Okay, relate to, yes, but I want to... I'm looking for something that helps me understand sympathy. What are we going to say? Good, but... How many have ever heard two people singing off-key? And they're, they're not synchronized. Yeah, you. <laughs> they're, not in, they're not in sympathy. One's, and the other one's, and they're like, all right, when we, and we're on a different frequency than somebody, and we've got our happy, and we've got our understanding of God, and they're devastated, they're low, they have no faith in God. You're on two different frequencies, and, and pity is where you come down to their level, and you feel what they feel. You may not agree with what they feel, but you feel it. That makes sense? That's sympathy. 
<clears throat> Job, Job 19, go to Job 19.21. I'll start with uh, Dean, if you would read Job 19.21. You've got to hear these. Now, I want you, Job, I want you, I'm sorry, Job, Dean, <laughs> hope this is not prophetic. Uh, Dean, I want you to put your feet into the shoes of Job and read this like he would say it, not like Dean would say it. Okay, go ahead. 1921. All right. Now, you're, this is kind of like acting class where you're trying to get into your character. All right. Well, our character here is begging his friends to sympathize with him, to be on the same frequency. Chapter 19, they're still not. I mean, those are dense friends. Would you agree? They're not getting it. And he's saying, have pity. Pity is a good word. I know today pity's been pretty well abused. Somebody says, you're pitiful. That's an abuse of the word. Uh, pity is a good word. Uh, Psalm 69 says this, reproach, that's mockery, hath broken my heart. I am full of heaviness, David said. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. I looked for comforters, but I found None. That's soft. You know what? Probably, without exception, I, I can I can tell you this. At any one time during the period of a month, half of the people in this church, if if they're just normal humans, feel alone, like nobody knows what they're going through. Would you agree? They just feel like. I look for somebody to care. I look for somebody to phone me up. I look for somebody to ask how I'm doing and care. And nobody did. Go to Romans 12, 15. Romans 12, 15. I'm going to ask Patrick if you'll read that. Romans 12, 15. All right, what does, listen to those words. So when somebody's happy, what should I be? All right, I need to be synchronized with them. I need to be sympathetic with them. You're blessed. You just got a raise. You just got a job. You just got a brand new car. I'll be happy with you. (laughs) Rejoice with them that rejoice. And what else? Come in at what they're going through. That's pity. Let's look at another one. First uh, Corinthians twelve twenty six Nita. First Corinthians twelve twenty six. All right. Now, in this day and age, we have such a Uh, we're we're so messed up in our in our school system and in our culture that we just want to give awards to everybody. We just want to make everybody feel like winners. But the Bible doesn't say that if one wins, we all win. It doesn't say that. It says if somebody is the winner, what should everybody do? Rejoice with them. Well done. And if one person is hurting, how should we react? We all should hurt. That's sympathy. That's pity. That's real compassion. 
Hebrews 13.3, let me take, don't, don't go there, but let me just read it for you. Remember them, be aware of them that are in bonds, in prison, or in health problems. It's implying them that are in bonds as bound with them. So when you go to the Lord in prayer and you remember them in prayer, put your feet into their shoes and go, wow, I, I bet they wish they wish, I bet they wish they knew if I was really praying for them. I bet they yearn for somebody to be praying for them right now. God, I pray for them. I, I, I put myself in their place and I realize how much I depend upon other people's prayer. So I'm going to pray for them. He says, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in their body. So somebody's going through a hard time, put yourself in their shoes and go, I'm going to pray for you because I'm trying to feel as you feel. You'll never feel what they're feeling, but you can try. So very important there. Go back to chapter 16, Job chapter 6 and verse 14. So first off, what Job needed from his friends was just come down to my level. Quit talking down to me. Quit criticizing me. Sympathize with me. Secondly, I need you to have the fear of God. Verse 14. To him that is afflicted, pity should show, be showed from his friend. But he, his friend, forsaketh the fear of the Almighty. Now, those are very, very telling words. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Why do you, why do you work with people? Why do you humble yourself and allow somebody to tell you what to do? <laughs> why do you do that? Because you fear God. That's why. Most people will come along and share their opinion unafraid of the damage they may do. Well, I don't think this, this, this. Well, if I, if you were to ask me, dun, 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 and they aren't worried about answering to God. When you give counsel to someone, please be very careful. I have people who are afraid to give any counsel to anybody because they're afraid of messing up. Let me encourage you, mess up. It's okay. Just pray and say, Lord, I want to be very few in words. And I want to be very compassionate. How does Paul preach the truth? He, he says, I speak the truth. Is that how the verse ends? In love. So even when he has to tell somebody something that may hurt them, they know he loves them. Does that make sense? So do it in the fear of God. Whatever you may have to say, say, Lord, I hope this is right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, and, and, and I'm trying to, and we'll talk about, it ought to be on the Bible, make sure you're basing it on the Bible. Uh, ladies, open your mouth carefully and speak few words. Gentlemen, fear giving carnal or worldly answers to people's problems. You know what guys say when somebody messes up? Ah, get over it. Oh, be careful. Because maybe they can't. Guys need to be careful about how we counsel one another. Sometimes we just say, ah, oh, grow up. That may, that may do more damage. I don't know. Sometimes people do need to grow up. But there needs to be the fear of God, especially in Christians, because we have answers, don't we? Just be careful that it doesn't come from you, but it comes from the Bible, and that it comes with careful fear. God, I don't want to hurt them. Can you imagine a doctor? You come in and you sit down and you got a pain in your side, and he comes and he looks at it and he says, everybody's got a pain in their side. And you're like, Okay, can I have a little compassion here, you know? <laughs> and and the, the, the doctor doesn't even care to examine you. It just says, here, do take this, go on your way. And you get some pills that don't do you any good. 
We would call that uh, a, um, what, is a uh, what is a doctor when they don't do, right, what do they call that? Malpractice, okay? He's practicing wrong. And it could hurt you, could kill you. So when you give counsel, pray. God may put you in a situation where you are talking and somebody just says, can I ask you a question? And you go, yeah, be very afraid. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm going through this thing. I don't know what to do. And you got a chance to encourage them with something from the Bible. You don't have to be deep. You don't have to be intense. You don't have to be complicated. But you do have to fear God because Eliphaz has no idea what he's doing to Job. And Job is saying, will you not fear God? You're going to have to answer for the fact you're talking to me this way. Fear of God will help you. Third, verse 15, dependability. He says, my brethren, he's speaking to his friends, my brethren have dealt deceitfully as a brook. What's in a brook normally? Water. Okay, so get an idea. They're like a brook, and as a stream of brooks, that they pass away. They go right by me, which are blackish by reason of the ice. Kind of like, so, so has anybody ever told you you're as cold as ice? You ever heard that? Come on. Talking about maybe the way you talk or maybe how you are towards people not caring. It comes from the Bible. Job says, my brethren, my friends are like a river of ice. And he goes on. Uh, they're blackish by reason of the ice and wherein the snow is hid. The snow is now gone into that ice. What time they wax warm, they vanish. Whenever a little bit of trouble comes, they melt away and they're gone. When it is hot, they're consumed out of their place. You can't find them. When I need them, they're not there. Um, what is he asking for of his friends? Be there. You know, it's nice when you, are, when you come and you're just there. When you're hurting, like Job is, you want a friend just to be there. That's what you want. Don't have to say anything. They don't have to do anything. They just need to be dependable. I'm your friend and I will stay your friend all our lives. Um, <clears throat> he goes on in verse 18. He says, I need substance. Now, that doesn't mean he needs things. I'll show you what I'm talking about. Verse 18, he says, the paths of my friend's way are turned aside. They go off road. They go to nothing. And perish, it's like an oh, they go over the cliff. The troops of Tima looked, and the companies of Sheba waited for them, for those waters, the paths of these waters, these friends. They, they, multitudes of people count on his, Job's friends. I would imagine probably uh, Eliphaz, uh, uh, Bildad, and Zophar are probably well-known, very wise-sounding guys and people and troops and companies of people have sat and listened to them. And Job says, you know what? They're like vapor that is, that is not dependable. Uh, verse uh, 20, they were confounded, talking about the troops and the companies. They were confounded, which means frustrated, because, oh, they had hoped, and they came thither to drink and were Ashamed, we'd say disappointed. Now here's the point. 
Job is asking for his friends, hey, actually give me some way through this. Actually give me something to stand upon. Give me some hope. Don't give me platitudes. Don't give me a a meme that you saw on Facebook. Don't tell me something that's just conventional wisdom. Give me something I can hold on to. Christians go to churches and they listen to um, uh, motivational speakers say what people already expect. And they go home and they have marriage problems, they have family problems, they have health problems, and they don't trust in the help of the Bible because they haven't gotten any help from the Bible. And Job says, would you help me stand on something? Would you give me something that will help me sit up? Give me something to rest upon. You know what prosperity preachers do today? They're like water that is not there. These guys dress up. I've seen the, the preachers, and they have rings on every finger. They have a private jet that they can fly from meeting to meeting. And you know what they're saying? Be like me. Follow my God. And, and they are, they're a lie. A guy who writes a book, and he says, how to make a million euros in your lifetime. You know how he makes a million euros? Selling you a book on how to make a million euros. <sighs> People are dumb enough to buy it. Give me something of substance. Did you know simple, clear, Bible teaching, verse by verse, book by book, boring by boring, is still the best. There's substance to it. It works. Why? Not because I, Dan, Andrew, anybody standing behind the pulpit, because we know what we're saying. It's just simply because the Bible said it, and it works. Faith still works, even when we don't understand it. Give me something of substance, Job says. Then he says something that's really good for millennials. It actually, I saw this and I went, slap me around. I understand something here. Have courage to talk reality with me. Verse 21, he says, for now ye are nothing to me. Ye kiss, cast, you see my casting down and are what? So they're afraid, when Job is, is struggling, they're afraid to tell him, uh, to, talk, to talk to him strongly. Oh, I might upset him. I might, I might hurt him. Well, I wish they were to think, you can tell Eliphaz didn't care about that in chapter 6. I mean, he tore him to shreds. But Job looking at him saying, why are you afraid about talking about the hard issues? The hard issues. Job is saying, don't worry about offending me. Don't worry about upsetting me with the word of God. It will be what what is what does uh, the Bible say? Um, I can't remember now. It's on the tip of my tongue where it says it will be talking about being um, confronted by the word of God. It will be come on. What does David say? You know what I'm talking about, brother Dan? No, 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 no. It will be like a slap in the face, but it'll be very encouraging. I forget what he says. What am I saying? You know what I'm talking about. All right, everybody, pretend like you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, you know, when somebody just deals with the issue as it really is, I'll be another, this is another truth, okay? In the ministry, you know what I'm supposed to do? Act like I know what I'm doing. Okay? But it is very important that in any ministry, whether you're teaching Sunday school, whether you're teaching teenagers, whether you're, you're teaching 
uh, Bible study, discipling, whether you're counseling on a, on a brief interaction with somebody at work, talk plain, talk straight, deal with what's really the issue. Somebody says, I have same-sex attraction. Look at him and says, that's a product of sin. Lord, there's a problem in your heart, and there's a way to get it forgiven. Amen. Don't be afraid. Talk to them. Be straight up with them. Um, millennials, do you know why millennials don't go to church? Because they haven't had anybody talk to them straight about the real issues of life. They think they struggle with everything. I don't understand the last 20 years, millennials struggle with their own existence. Now, I know people throughout time have, uh, have wondered why am I here, but they actually struggle with reality. You know why? Because they never had anybody talk to them in reality. Their parents only gave them everything they wanted. Their parents only just worried about their psyche and whether they were going to be happy or sad. And they need somebody to talk to them straight up. Don't be afraid to talk about abortion. Don't be afraid on the job. Don't worry afraid about talking from the Bible about the soon coming of Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid of talking about what this world is headed for. Don't be afraid. Job is saying, listen, if there's something I'm missing, talk straight to me. Have the courage. Parents were afraid to talk about drugs. They're afraid to talk about porn. They're afraid to talk about almost anything. So the millennials don't believe anything. Six. You know what Job needed? Faithful Bible instruction. Remember that. F-B-I. Faithful Bible instruction. Look at verse 22. Verse 22. Did I say bring unto me? Did I ask you for anything? I don't need anything. Did I ask you to give a reward for me of your, of your substance? Or did I ask you, verse 23, to deliver me from the enemy's hand or redeem me from the hand of the mighty? Hmm. See, Job didn't need things. He didn't need financial help or money. He didn't need a new home. He didn't need more children at that point. He needed teaching. He needed somebody to sit down and work through with him step by step. God is there. God loves him. God's holding him. God has a purpose in this thing. We can get through this. We can get through this. He needed to be taught. Look at verse 24. Teach me. Look at that. I love that. Would you guys? He's, he's begging Eliphaz. Stop criticizing. Just teach me and I will hold my tongue. I'll let you speak. I won't argue. Cause me to understand wherein I have erred. Would you help me to see what I've done wrong? Is that a good attitude of Job? Yes or no? What is a great attitude? Verse 25 says, How forcible, how powerful are what kind of words? Right words. But what doth your argument reprove? How do you correct me with your arguments? I wish you had right words. He hungered for the right kind of words that could help him. Job was not like 99% of us. You know what he was like? He actually was interested in hearing other people's views. I don't know if I can help somebody who won't listen. 
And I mean not, not just live in your bubble, but read alternate um, uh, attacks and, 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 and see things from the other side and go, yeah, they're really wrong. <laughs> but I listen. I want somebody to open my understanding. And I'm going to talk about this in a moment because Job wishes somebody would explain this. Does God ever explain why he put him through, why he put Job through this? Does he ever? No. But you know, those right words that Job missed, I got. I read it and I go, thank you, Lord. Job was yearning for it. He didn't get it. But you gave it to me. I, I should be much more careful about doing all of these things for people who are going through dark times. He hungered for right words. By the way, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof. Uh, 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 for reproof, for correction, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Right words, where do you find right words? In the Bible. It'd be really good if when you're talking to somebody, you just use the Bible. Just something that blesses you can be a blessing to someone else. That's why you read your Bible, to find something that helps someone else as much as it has helped you. All right, four final requests. He makes four final requests, and I'll make a, a conclusion about what God is doing here. Number one, he says, give me the benefit of the doubt, would you? Verse 26, he says, do you imagine to reprove words? Are you there to argue words and the speeches of one that is desperate? Are you trying to, to find fault with the speeches of someone that is desperate? And your words are as what? Wind. I mean, you're just, you're just like a storm. You're blowing against me. I wish you would just give me the benefit of the doubt. You're, you're trying to reprove me. Why don't you start with the fact that I didn't know what I did wrong? Thank God when a court system operates this way still today that when you come to court... You know what they have to do? They have to prove your guilt. Which means they work on the, on the assumption that you're innocent until they get all the facts and they go, well, I guess you're guilty. And you know, we need to have that towards other people too. Give people the benefit of the doubt before you just attack everything. Secondly, take a good look at me. Verse 28, he goes on and he says, Now therefore, be content and look upon me. For it is evident unto you if I lie. He says, if you looked at me, now if you saw Job, what would you see? Somebody tell me, what would you see? Excellent. A broken, ruined man. He's barely breathing. And he's saying, guys, would you look at me? I just ask you, just, is, is this how you want to crush me? Is this helping at all, or is it only helping your ego? Verse 29 says this. Return, I pray you, let it not be iniquity. Yea, return again, my righteousness is in it. Now, when he says in it, he's saying my righteousness is in my own defense. Now, I'll talk about that in a second. But as far as Job is concerned, how does he see himself? Guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. 
He says, I've made my, my, my statement. You haven't proved me wrong. So at least hear me out. Get back to listening to me. And he's going to try in chapter 7 to give them something else. And then he says, verse 30, and we're finished. Is there iniquity in my tongue? Cannot my taste discern perverse things? Can I not tell if I'm perverse or not? I mean, I'm not, he's trying to say, you know, I, I can sense when I'm wrong. Would you just prove to me when, I, when I'm saying anything wrong? Now, we're listening to his. You may, you may get an argument. You may say different things, okay? I just have to say this. Throughout all of that, you know what he's saying? Would you help me? Would you just look at me and tell me, is this how you want to talk to me? Try again. How many of you ever been in an argument and you just say, this is not worth it, and just walk away? How many of you like that? Come on. Yeah, amen. Normally, if I were Job, I'd just roll over and die. But he's begging them, please, will you try again? I invite you, please. I do not want to die this way. I don't want to think this way. I don't want to live this way. I, I can't seem to get a hold of God. Would you at least please help me so that I have something to hope? All right, is everybody getting the sense of Job now? Because the conclusion is this. This is futile. These next 35 chapters are a waste of paper and ink if there is no God. If there's no reason for suffering, if there's no purpose for troubles in our lives, this is a waste of time. But there is a God, and there is a reason so you have this debate between Job and his three friends, and it is recorded for us to prove that the debate still needs to be held now, in our lives sometimes. When you are frustrated, and it's just nothing makes sense, and you get angry, and you just want to argue, okay, normal. God says, bring it on. Bring it on. Because by doing this, you'll actually work through all of that anger, sometimes all of that grief. Did, let me just give you a question. Did Job have anybody there grieving really with him? No, not even his friends. His friends did sit there for seven days. They were quiet for seven days. At least they tried. But he had nobody to share the grief with. But he needed to debate. He needed to test what he understood about God and hear what other people understood about God to be able to test, what do I really believe? People who experience great sorrow can come through it when others show pity. When others show that they have the fear of God and they're careful about what they say and they're just, you know what, they just say, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'm just going to hug them. We'll cry with them. I'm just going to... Go and fix him a meal. I'm just going to be a blessing. I just want to be there for him. You know, people who are going through that valley can get through when they have somebody who's just dependable. You know what people need who come to this church on Sunday morning and they don't come Sunday night, they don't come Wednesday night? You know what they need? They need to know that we're here. They need us to be dependable. Now, I want them dependable. I want them here too. But let me tell you, a lot of people who come on Sunday morning only are fragile. Right? I'm talking to the choir. Listen to me real clean. And if you get upset at me, you walk out and you say, I don't need to go to Sunday night, and you become a Sunday morning Christian, let me tell you, at some point, somebody's going to look at you and go, well, there goes another one. And they're never going to rise up because they see us falling down. Don't do that. 
If there's anything about a church, it needs to be known as something that's faithful, consistent, dependable. That's what Job needed. He said, I just need you guys here. Substance. Whenever you do say something, say something of substance, something that has something to hold on to, something to stand on. And talk reality. Talk reality. I mean, how many times you've been to a funeral? How many times you've been somewhere and it's all airy fairy, flowery, la la la. Politicians get up. Politicians get up there and they'll blame everything except the real cause. And it's really refreshing when you get somebody who will debate a politician and will go after what's really the problem, and you go, "I'll vote for that person." Courage to talk reality, faithful biblical instruction. What you're getting here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night will save you from a lot of sorrow. A lot of people will pay big money to get counseling. You get it for free. Faithful Bible instruction is what Job yearned for and what we all need. Job has one more chapter of responses to Eliphaz in chapter 7. and But none of Eliphaz isn't listening because Zophar then comes at him uh, in, in chapter 8, and then Bildad comes at him, and then they go through it all again, and Job's just like saying, would you guys stop? And they don't. Don't be that way. Don't be like Eliphaz, like Job's friends. By the way, Job does have one problem. I already mentioned it kind of clandestinely. Only Elihu actually deals with it. And Elihu will hurt Job but he'll hurt him the right way. Anybody want to guess what Job's only problem was? Guess, guess. What'd you say? Self-righteousness. Job was right, but he believed he was right, and that was wrong. That sounds crazy. Because before God, even when I think I'm right, (laughs) Job says, I am vile. I am vile. So, all right. Let's pray. Father, we're, we're trying to look at, at this book, and we're not going to go through the whole thing, but we're trying to get a picture of what it, hurt, what it feels like to hurt and what it's like to minister to hurt. We've had to learn this kind of rapidly recently. And it was hard. I don't know if we're ever ready to minister like people need. But you gave us a perfect book to teach us how to stop and care. You gave us a great example in Jesus. You gave us a terrible example in Eliphaz. So I think putting it all together, we could learn something here. We could learn that the God of Job wants us to care, wants us to have compassion, wants us to stop quickly judging, criticizing, finding fault, the whole list. Sometimes just care. Sometimes just caring. Sometimes just weep. Because God, we're hurting. This world is mean. We don't need to join them. So I love you, Lord. I thank you for giving us a good, strong challenge tonight. Pray that we actually live it. In Jesus' name, amen.